you're 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 going to be editing. I will try to, uh, uh, but you know, I mean, I think that we can just record the conversation, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so why why did this is the first one? So why did you plump for 1996 though? What 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 was it about that? Right in the middle of our our era. So so I guess so for for, for the thinking around this was that when you mentioned years yep that year sort of sitting between where you know music started for me and where music is for me now that year sort of like you say sat in the middle right and it was definitely an inflection point for me personally musically and you know there are lots of things going on around me that made that year stand out that weren't necessarily musically driven but definitely said to me this sounds like an interesting year when it just sort of came out right didn't think about it that much actually but i figure we're going to cover you know, key points, maybe, you know, a sampling of 10 to 12 years over the course of these conversations. So we got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, we've got to start somewhere. Definitely. So, so, so our thinking is we're going to get together, chat about a particular year, talk about what was going on in the world, maybe a little bit, but more about what we were doing, what we were, we're up to on different sides of the Atlantic, most likely most of the time um, in different stages of life. Uh, similar age and all that but uh, both sort of passionate about music but probably different music and I'm keen to explore what what we've got in common and what we've got what's different actually but also just to remember back actually to what was going on in in these years and I quite like the random approach actually let's but start with 96 who knows it could be 81 next week or 2007 next week yeah I have no idea you know but, right. um, and, and 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 so what 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 I, I really like about that is what you said around looking back at that year, but actually placing myself in that year and really thinking about what was my life. So I tend to keep a journal, but the mid nineties were kind of the undocumented years, right? So from (laughs) my childhood to about 92, I have pages of journal and then 92 to 2003 is kind of like blank. And so I really had to look back at my, you know, letters that I had written at photographs that had been taken to try and really remember what was I doing in 96. And so that was a great journey in and of itself. Right. Yeah. 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 No, you you have to force yourself to think back. I was doing the same and I was thinking, I know actually it's a pretty clear year for me in terms of what was happening that year. And I'll explain that when we move into it. But but um, I was looking back what else happened in, in, in that year, just as a a refresher because it's one of those things when you think of the 90s it feels like yesterday but it's forever ago now um but you know there was there was things like ebay started an online web website um ibm's deep blue defeated gary kasparov yeah right Right. Yeah. atlanta atlanta nail bomb there was the dunblane massacre dolly the sheep became the first clone and um prince charles and diana got divorced and we got mad ca- and we had mad cow disease in the UK. So, you know, and that all that stuff seems in a way it seems a long time ago, but it also also seems, you know, relatively recent. Um, but um, but for me, 
um, so I was I was living and working in Yorkshire. I still live and work in Yorkshire. So in that regard, not a lot has changed because I've stayed fairly central to that, even though I've done a lot of things and, and whatever. Um, and I was uh, work wise um, creating and building a team. Just, you know, this 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 whole uh, web thing was growing like crazy and and I was trying to convince an organization to honestly people are going to bank on the internet I promise you they are going to do that oh, and they're going no no they're not we've just spent billions on a call center how are they possibly going to do that um, so I was having fun and games trying to convince companies that honestly this internet's really a thing and um, and so that was great fun actually because I love all that innovation stuff so that was happening there you know I've got yep. uh, Young daughter, I was finishing one relationship, moving to another relationship. So it was pivotal from a personal perspective and therefore emotionally quite um, uh, a transitional year for me. And therefore, when you're in that sort of phase of your life, music is often quite a central channel by which you remember things and you have particular memories with particular individuals and you know for the good and the bad and the mix and and all that so so it was a good year to choose for me in that in that sense because there was a lot going on both practically work-wise family-wise and emotionally and that's that's a good thing right you know you look back yeah. And, yeah. and and you and you grow from all that stuff um so uh, so that's what was 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 happening with me and 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 sort of I, I had a pretty good idea without looking back as to the sort of things I was listening to based triggered by particular memories I have of that year and I think oh yeah I remember that and I remember going to that gig and I remember doing that um but then I went and looked back at sort of for example like the indie charts the NME charts and stuff like that and there was actually a lot of really good really good music around and about of all different sorts at that time because you kind of think that it was a bit of an odd time the the, the 90s because they you know the 80s had blown up into house and and all that sort of stuff and then you know and then it sort of got a little bit lost in in a way but of course in britain sort of um you know Britpop was just really beginning to to boom and yeah. and blossom you know and so all that was going on but actually whether that was your thing or not there was still a load of really really interesting things so there's a few things i wouldn't mind talking about that aren't on the on the five and that back to our thing is we're probably going to choose you know five tunes each bung them on a playlist that we can link to from this sort of discussion and this podcast and people can dip in and have a listen themselves if they've not come across them. So we'll come back to our fives, but um, tell me about, tell me about your. Well, so, so just one, one question for you, like, you know, in that, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in my life is that, you know, when I'm going through eras or, you know, periods of personal change, I tend to find some comfort in the music I used to listen to. So I'll go back to like prog rock and those kinds of things, sort of just to maybe ground myself. Um, but then I'm also, because I'm going through a period of personal disruption, I find myself much more attuned to ingesting new music. And I was just wondering when you talk about, because that's a lot of personal change. You've got your daughter, you're changing yeah, yeah. relationships, you're doing... Yeah, yeah, did yeah. you find that you were more open to music and did you have a similar pattern to what I was describing of sort of wanting to center myself with like the old stuff and maybe listening a, to some newer stuff? A bit, a bit. I think what had happened because that in 96, my eldest, my eldest daughter at the time was only two. So, so that prior couple of years had been super hectic. And, and because when you, when you lurch into to parenthood, 
uh, other things go by the wayside. And so actually I'd had probably one of the only lulls in my adult life of not really going to as many gigs as I'd previously done and not right, necessarily right. absorbing as much new stuff or at least buying as much uh, new stuff uh, as I'd previously done. And it, so marked by, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd sort of been to, so for example, Bob Mould, uh, do you know, I'd been to yeah, see his solo yeah. stuff from, from, you know, uh, from early 80s, no, 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 sort of mid mid 80s, all the way through when the first sugar shows in the UK and all, all that stuff. And then he toured and did uh, and did File Under Easy Listening. And I missed that tour and I missed that tour because life intervened. But then it reinstated itself after that. So it had been a bit of a lull period because I was focusing on, you know, uh, children and, and, you know, stuff going on personal. And it took a bit of a dip. But then we get to 96 and it started picking up again. And and and. And, be, and and when some of the difficulties started, relationship things uh, arose, I remember putting together this very depressing tape to play in the car. And I had all sorts of really, really downbeat, everybody hurts type right. stuff uh, yeah. on yep. this tape. It was, it was brilliantly miserable. Uh, you know, the Smith and Joy Division and just everything, you know, as, as downbeat as you. And I love that stuff. And I, to be honest, I don't find it particularly depressing. I kind of like that. You, you, you sort of you hook onto those sort of things. And I listened to that, you know, quite a lot. And that got me through uh, an awful uh, lot of things. I could probably recraft it in terms of some of the things that were probably on it. But then again, um, so I was listening to some of that stuff. But then, I think, you know, and then, of course, life's all about changing. And as one thing changes, another thing grows and evolves and so i've got more more optimistic things going on so so you'll see that in in the ones that i've I've chosen there but listening to you know there was a lot of really interesting um electronic and and dance music at the time there was some really really upbeat and fun indie music at the time to complement some of the more down and downbeat stuff so actually my 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 top five when we get to it are a, a, a mix of ups and downs and then that probably reflects my year and um and so definitely some new stuff that was coming out and definitely some stuff not that was old but was from acts that were established yeah and and th- this so you know so 96 for me was i had had an accumulation of sort of declinations in my life leading up to me getting sober in 1999 and 96 was was one of those, uh, how do I say, um, sort of low points personally, simply just because of the fact that I'd gotten a couple of DUIs. I was, you know, not necessarily the most popular boy in the clubs. I'd gotten 86 from a couple of clubs in Philly. Um, but at the same time, I was starting to commute. What does that mean? You got 86. 86 means kicked out, like permanently banned. (laughs) Oh, wow. So uh, I I was a fledgling. um, uh, Anyway, I was engaged in some activities that they didn't look fondly upon. Right. Yeah. 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 So so and but but at the same time. So I was living in Philadelphia and I'd started commuting to work for the first time in my life, which meant that I had this hour in the car. And it was, so you're right, we had, you know, it was pre-digital, so it was cassettes, right? 
I would make mixtapes. I remember buying, you know, for the first time buying a CD, but I was not, it was all about the magnetic tape. I was, to me, that was like the low point of vinyl. I don't think I even had a phonograph at that time. I mean, you know, that we were really moving away from, or I was moving away from vinyl and, you know, the record stores were not as popular as they were, but the radio was what was really giving me so much new music. When there was two stations in Philadelphia, both college radio stations that I would listen to. So most of my life I commuted on the subway and I would hear music from boom boxes or other, you know, what would be playing on the street by the bodegas or whatever it might be. Then I started commuting and all of a sudden I'm listening to college radio like I've never listened to it before. And I kind of really missed a whole bunch of music by not really ever listening to the radio until I started this job in 94. And so I'm listening to WKDU, and I would remember that about 30 minutes into my commute, this is a local college radio station from Drexel, I would lose the signal. And <laughs> I would be like, oh, no, you know. But, but at that time, so, so music really became very important, and always was, but became very important to me, both from what I was doing when I was going out at night, and then how I was sort of handling some of the misery that was wrapped around uh, the, my, my daily life in terms of, so this was my beginning of my career at IBM 30 wow. years ago. Wow. So, and, and, you know, I mean, the misery just in terms of, you know, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is what corporate drudgery really looks like. Not that I hadn't encountered it before. And so what I found was, like I was saying a little bit ago, was that, you know, I'm living in Philadelphia, I'm commuting out to the suburbs, which in retrospect was kind of a mistake from a career choice perspective, just because I could have gotten just as good of a job inside the city. But then I was also still able and still going out to, to the clubs. And that's where you would hear the dance music. And that's where I was seeing the sort of transition from what I might call sort of grunge influenced club music to much more dance and, you know, Sasha and Digweed and these kinds of songs coming out. And I would hear that much more at the gay clubs. So there was a club called the two four and that was really because it was open from two to 4 AM, which after the bars closed in Philly, and that it just had the best dance music. Mm. And that was something that I found, you know, a real release throughout my life. But at the time during, you know, in 96 and through to about 99, I would go out and go dancing at this club. And that was always like, wow, what is that song? And I would never be able to track and keep the song. You know, I'd lose it because I was high at the time and yeah. but but you know some of those started coming in and then you know the thing for me that really uh opened my mind at that point was also i had two bands that were friends of mine and so right. i'd go and follow them around a different and they were more rock or rock rap kind of bands and i'd follow them around 
and I'd get to so they would open. They were the opening act for other bands. So I'd get to see other bands that would play. And you mentioned Husker Du. I never got a chance to see my friends open for Husker Du, but there was a uh, a couple other like local Philly bands that went on to do really good music that were coming out at that point. And so I got a chance to see some of those bands coming up and that sort of integration of dance and live music and radio. Those were the influences that were able to give me that new music as opposed to the kind of uh, droning uh, new wave type. So cure, Joy Division, Smith, absolutely. All I call it Cresmo, right? Um, and <laughs> that, that 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 this those were the bands that I was listening to in my car. But at the you know if if I couldn't get the radio, because you know I was buying cassettes, but you know it, it just it wasn't really like something that I was able to say I want to go out and get this album. I didn't feel that motivated to go out and get beyond a couple of albums that year. There wasn't anything that was driving me to the record store, which I think is kind of interesting. And I don't know. I mean, were you purchasing vinyl or were you purchasing? No, uh, CDs. So so I got vinyl. I remember getting CD, first CD player when I was at college in the mid 80s and then really switched. I'd buy the occasional vinyl but i generally switch because you know because at the time all of you know the received wisdom was cd's better and you know perfect sound forever and all that you know and and so and you know they sounded they sounded great it was only afterwards you you kind of think well actually vinyl didn't sound so so bad in the first place and all that sort of stuff but at the time i was buying cds um but i was traveling quite a bit in the car and sold cassettes and i would make my own mixtapes and you know spend an inordinate amount of time uh, doing that um quite often for myself and for other people you know just put in you know i i i always like the sequencing of you know i always like the the um djing's always great when you've got one track in mind and you play it and then it's that that springs you to your next one you've got two or three options yeah. rather than over preparing a set list beforehand so i used to like doing mixtapes because i didn't know where they'd end up and i'd listen to those in the car and um interesting for me that year as well a couple of things one is that you know very much into the, the my own music i was looking at some of the things that came out i'll come on to them in a minute some of the things that really struck me and resonated me and others that just passed me by completely but um but generally I would probably, you know, lean towards more sort of Indian rock and stuff like that with a few dancey and hip hoppy bits in, 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 and housey bits in and amongst yep. it. But then um, Lisa, who I was going out with, my new man and my and is my wife, uh, current wife, she was very much more dance oriented. And so uh, to your point about gay clubs and whatever else, so I had this weird, weird mix of things. So she went to university in Liverpool in, in the summer of that year, in the September of that year. And so I would go and travel across and see it. And we would go clubbing in Liverpool at a place called Garlands, which still goes today, I think, and it's a gay club. And it was just right at the perfect time for that sort of very, you know, housey oriented dance feel. And, some, you know, and so some of, some of that sort of uh, clubby stuff, absolutely loved that. And the bar scene at the time, 
in uh, clubs like uh, Cream and Mellow Mellow and all those things. That they, it was the it was the early stages of the Super Club era, really, in 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 a sense. And it was uh, it was sort of so we did that. But at the same time, I remember driving across and we or we both drive across back and forth and whatever. And I'd be playing um, indie tapes that I'd made in the car or CDs that I'd, I'd put in, and so I'd be pay, I'd be playing, you know pavement or the, the lemonheads or or the divine comedy or or tortoise or something and um and you know in that early stage in the relationship lisa was very politely you know uh nodding along to this thinking what on earth is he subjecting me to you know this, this nonsense but being super super polite about it all really uh, but actually, we both really, really enjoyed the clubby, dancey side of things at that time as well. And there was some really energetic and, and, and influential uh, uh, stuff going on at the time, you know. And um, so, so yeah, it was a, it was a mix. It was a real mixed uh, mixed year for many many reasons, and that's what makes it a good example, I suppose. So, so we had just from the record store perspective, right? So there were a couple of record stores. Third Street Jazz in Philadelphia was was a big one, and then there was a record store up on Market that I forget the name, and then there was a local one. So I was living on the college campus, Penn campus, and I'm can't I, I'm I'm sad that I can't remember the name of in '96. In '96, you were living on college campus. Yeah. So my my dad was a uh, professor at Penn. Right. So the house that I grew up with was on Penn campus and, right, you know, right. give it all of the uh, various uh, things going on in my life. Saving money was one of the uh, objectives. So definitely I lived at home up until I was 34, I think. So, wow. um, okay. and, and, uh, but going to the record store had been such a part of my childhood hours, you know, and you do that, that great finger walk through the, through the vinyl. And, you know, the, the sense that, that I had probably starting around 92, but went on for a while was this feeling like, you know, you were saying, you know, the, the CDs coming in, I was a little late in adopting CDs. In fact, I went all the way through 2003 with cassette tapes. I mean, you know, and I love them and I love that mixtape, but I was recording a lot of it off the radio. I mean, you know, I guess it's sort of the early LimeWire kind of, uh, mom, yeah. but, yeah. but I wasn't, I wasn't going to the record store and paying for it, but I would still go into the record store and I'd look around and see what's out. But, you know, it wasn't like I was purchasing a lot of, of music at that time. And so, so the, the idea that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there, there's a lot of new music coming out. Some of it may not have actually made it into some of the record stores I was going to. And if it did, I wouldn't know necessarily where to go look for it. And so I would listen to stuff on, on the radio and, you know, they'd play a set. And then, you know, you'd get the name of all the songs that you heard for the past 15 minutes, but you're driving and you never wrote them down. So there was this incoming stream of great sound, but I wasn't catching it and I wasn't supporting it the way that I felt like I had been in previous eras. 
But the thing was was that 96 set a foundation. So, you know, the one that, that train spotting hit the U.S. So if we're going to talk about, um, you know, I'm, it's not east-west relations, but you know, U.K.-U.S. relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Train spotting hit us and hit, you know, my um, peers in Philadelphia. I don't know how it played outside of the, the cities. Just it was like a critical moment for us right and that was where i heard you know and there was great soundtrack amazing yeah. soundtrack and yeah. that was where oddly enough i heard and remembered underworld and yeah. you know yeah, that like that really um that set off a whole you know sort of state of like listening to and and looking into what i might i mean you know there was already a lot of electronica at that time but of understanding and being able to purchase and follow the, you know, the DJs that were around at that time. But before that movie came out, I don't know when it came out, but I know it came out sometime in 96. Before that came out, I hadn't been able to track as much of the new music as I would have liked to. I would record it, but you didn't have Shazam. Yeah. So you weren't able to identify who the heck it was that you were listening to, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and and um, I used to listen to Mark Radcliffe and Mark Riley on um, the radio in the evenings, around, I think, around that sort of time. Um, and I can't even remember, it might have been pre-radio, before Radio 6, so it must have been on Radio 1, I think. Uh, but they had a good evening show, um around i think it was before john peel's show and stuff like that and and, right, and right. i'd listen to both you know that but not religiously but they'd be on and and, and i'd hear uh things on that but you're right there's no shazam and, and even without shazam today you can go and look on the website and it shows you exactly what they've played for the like for all in all the shows you get a full track you know so so that 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 you know that whole whole challenge and that's good and bad you know because some of the joy of happening on something and eventually finding it and making those connections gone away now because you can find anything pretty much quickly today and so so there was always so i get that it was frustrating that you couldn't find it but at the same time that joy when you suddenly you know hear something that you know it's it, it, yeah it's brilliant so um so so radio was um was 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 part of it and and you know i'd hear some good and interesting uh things in there but um yeah i'd, I'd still be sort of um you know devouring the enemy and you know finding out what was the yeah, enemy was still relevant at just about at that time although there were other magazines that were beginning to come in in the uk that informed the view that were you know getting a bit brit poppy and you know q was still there select was a magazine that you know you know people would often and still do say to me where do you find out about all this which is ridiculous really because you just have your eyes and ears open really don't you but um I, you know I, being informed on stuff has never been such a problem for me i don't think and and so so just one of the things and, and i love this because you know any good american lad is going to have a major brit um you know anglophilic music at least, you know, maybe yeah. not for the royal family, but certainly for music. So when you say things like John Peel and you say things like Enemy, you know, I, I listened to those. I listened to the John Peel sessions. I read the Enemy. I, but I don't think that there was another sort of, you know, maybe the Village Voice might have been something that you might see 
Um, but there really was this sort of flow of information. And I think it was the enemy, like, you know, their, their top songs. I mean, this is before Pitchfork or maybe Pitchfork was around at the time, but, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't aware of it. I would, I would get that, right. I would seek that out. Um, and, you know, look through the list of, you know, the, I think that they would do a top 100 and, and, you know, I would look through that list. I did, I don't think that there was as much of an interplay from America to UK in terms of, I don't think there was a John Peel. I mean, there was a station, um, in LA, gosh, I, I, that, that I know had a very strong following with my friends who were British. I'm, it's the college radio station out of Santa Monica. Um, but were there any, were there any sources of American culture or music that you were Yeah, they didn't really come through. I mean, we were always very yeah. jealous of college radio. We we're always very jealous of college radio because we didn't have that, you know? And, and so, so, um, so the the in the nineties it was still the, the the availability of radio and TV actually was still fairly yeah. constrained. Yep. And uh, I remember growing up and people would always reflect on God. Have you ever been to America? When you go there, you put the telly on. There's loads and loads of channels. Yeah. The fact that they were all full of crap didn't really register, you know. But uh, there's all these channels. It's unbelievable. And we've got four, you know. And so so multi-channel TV was really only becoming a, a you know a, a reality for people. So you would set top boxes and the like. And it was the same with radio. Radio was still very regulated. And so there was you know they'd started introducing some. Comm- commercial stations but basically you'd got you know the bbc fantastic you know radio was one two three four they introduced radio five which was sport and that was your lot really from the bbc other than local radio but local radio wasn't like college radio local radio was you know uh farmers daily and uh you know sort of traffic reports and 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 very very bland programming and still is today really by and large i'm probably doing it a disservice to some people who do a good job there are the odd shows that do really really well but actually there are fairly sedate set of stations those and there was no and and so for people that were able to access the internet i was suddenly able to tap into college radio for those that were beginning to put their feeds online and start to yep. but, it, yep. but the web was still a fairly clunky old place to navigate at that time and i remember the early stages of my internet exposure early 90s was was you know connecting with people on telnet and you know exactly. stitching together you know exactly. uh, you know sort Over of chat, a, you know a 9600 baud yeah yeah but but it, but it was evolving quickly and it, and it was a great opportunity and it was more about so and and actually it was pre mp3 really this as well so yeah. just I think. Yeah. so so there was not really a vast amount of music sharing going on and it took forever to download an mp3 for one song file anyway so it was more about connecting with people via chat that were interested in the same so i w- i remember being on a a bulletin board hosted at uh, Stanford, I think, that someone had set up, some student had set up in the part time for, for Huskadoo and Bob Mole, and being amazed that, you know, uh there was this community of people around the world that shared a common interest in 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 this guy. And even more amazed that occasionally he would read it himself and put and put something on the board and you'd see this list of emails, you'd get a digest and and it was mind blowing. Whereas now it's so archaic in yeah. terms of something to be wowed about with given 
everyone's access to everything these days and the richness of the media that supports it. Uh, but at the time, it was just mind blowing that I could tap into a telnet thing. And there was something geeky about it, you know, because I was proper geeky and I was thinking, oh, wow, it's just like being in the well in 1969, man. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's just like, oh, wow, it's like ARPANET you know <laughs> and uh, so so it 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 pleased me that uh, i was sort of forging new ground i remember being at work and saying oh yeah this internet thing and i, and I said well, well email me and I said, you've got an email address <laughs> Right. Yeah, I've yeah. got an email. You know, and it was, but it was a lovely time actually, and and the music for me just went with all that that exploration. So I was exploring tech at the time, really, and getting used to the, the, the and getting excited about what was coming next. And that's that's pretty much the approach I've always taken to music. Really, I'm, I, I like I, there's some great music that I've always loved, and I love listening to older stuff. But I'm I'm still always interested in what coming next and we've discussed this you know you wait for the new releases on friday morning these days you might look at your release radar from spotify and benefit from the algorithm but it's still not enough because you've got to go and find your own stuff anyway and i like all that stuff but um but i was just looking at the 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 thinking about how did that figure in 1996 what what did a lot and what wasn't i bothered about and i'm just looking at the enemy list now and like the number one in the uk the enemy album was beck odelay and and i really and it's a great album but i was not in interested in Beck before that album and I've no interest in Beck since that album but at that time it was a really pivotal album and I really liked it I've listened to it now and it's neither here nor there but at the time I just thought wow that yeah really 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 good but there were other things that passed me you know that Manic Street Peaches had sort of reappeared and everyone was surprised to see them get back together and they seemed much more straight and sorted you know having lost uh one of the you know one of the members uh everything must go was out but the other one that struck me is is it's a really really classic album but the, the dj shadow introducing record came out in 96 yeah and 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 now it's like an ultimate classic but at the time it was just like oh yeah uh, interest quite interesting but of course now it's seen as the one of the pivotal sort of uh, iconic uh, albums in that turntable this sort of category yeah. and that was really important yep. at, at the time but you can still see the dregs of grunge creeping you're asking about what were the influences from the states so like sparkle horse you know was album you know topped top 10 but there's not a lot of u.s stuff in this list fujis yeah fair enough that's yep, different yep. uh fun loving criminals i mean really um uh, <laughs> lemonheads but they le, le, lemonheads sort of um really by this time they jumped the shark because that was that car button cloth record so so they, they they peaked and and troughed i think uh by this time but i'm just looking at this very uh, afghan wigs Yep. they're in there yep. yeah now tortoise are in there number 35 millions now living and i love tortoise and i love them there. i think i saw them that year and i've seen them whenever i can since and that sort of post rock thing was very much on my agenda at the time so that that yep. idea of la bradford and tortoise and uh these sorts of bands that were deconstructing things very proggy in a sense but also another one of my favorites american one of my favorite and i've not picked anything from it from a list of songs but one of my favorite albums was Sebado Harmacy and that's my that's that's my favorite Sebado album and I was disappointed to tune into Lou Barlow on Instagram during the pandemic and he was going through playing all his albums and uh, and it's it, and 
you know, he says, oh, it's my least favourite. It's a load of junk. You know, there's some scraps from the previous album, some half-written bits here and it's neither. And I love it. <laughs> it's my favourite record. Yeah, of you know, yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because, you know, this list and the way in which, you know, um, you're seeing what was happening from America in that list. It, some of the songs and some of the bands that were really popular at that time, like the Oasis, the Verve, those were just huge here, right? As yeah. always. I mean, I, I, I think that the weight of, you know, the, the, of, you know, British pop, Brit pop um, in U.S. radio play is much greater than any American weight would be in 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 british radio play but you know i mean it i was talking about this with my wife and she's like oh my god i mean you know that that was you know the year of oasis right yeah and and you know the and that you none of those are the types of albums that stand the test of time Right. I mean, that's the really interesting thing is I will still listen to DJ Shadow. Right. I will yes. still listen to Underworld. I will still listen to Tupac. I don't necessarily listen to unless it happens to come on the radio and, you know, we're driving around now. I don't listen to Oasis or The Verve or Alanis Morissette. The Fugees sometimes. Right. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's the ones that stand the test of time in my mind are the ones that, you know, I will be like, oh, you know, when I hear it, God, I love this, right? And the other ones will be like, you know, kind of that brings me back to a time, but it's not actually like going to resonate with, um, with me in the long term. And it was interesting because picking the songs for this, I had, I picked two songs that I really don't think stood the test of time, but I loved at the time, right? right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and, 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 I, and I have Let's to honor that, that, you know, whatever post-adolescent <laughs> joy that I'm feeling. So what am I in 96? I'm 33, right? So I still consider that post-adolescence, right? Not even young adulthood. And you have to honor that. But, you know, you also, and, and you also have to recognize that sometimes our musical tastes, um, aren't always as advanced as we might think they are, right? So, you know, if I'm choosing, say, an Oasis song, which I'm, you know, then I am doing that because at the time, Wonderwall may have reminded me of, you know, a girl, right? I mean, you know, or it may have been, you know, an opportunity to go to a arena show, right? Which was yeah. never my favorite things. Those, those kinds of events are important but they don't necessarily make that song or that band something that you would pick out to listen to and to play now or yeah. anytime kind of since, right? I mean, you know, and they're not like one hit wonders, but they're just, they're, it's just not making that emotional connection yeah. and that, that, you know, music really thrives on. So, you know, I no, like, I, I agree. I, yeah. I, 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 I agree. You lose the connection with some things and some things always retain uh, the connection, don't they? Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that we thought about discussing was around what did we miss? And, you know, honestly, two packs, you know, all eyes on me, like, you know, that 
you know, when, when Tupac was, 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 you know, releasing that album and that, you know, I heard it all the time, right. You know, in the first yeah, yeah. double album and, you know, true, um, genius, but yeah. I missed it. I didn't buy it. I heard it, but I didn't go into it. And, you know, a little bit later that year, you know, he's shot and dies. Right. So, um, and that's when, you know, more sort of, you know, post-mortem that I was, that I was starting to like listen to him and the biggie, but there was this point in 96 where there's this next gen rap coming out that I missed. And I, and I wish that I'd been listening to it more. I don't know. Were there any like albums or, you know, artists that you feel like you missed in this year and wish that you'd been listening to? Uh, there were artists that I somewhat churlishly dismissed. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, um, and there are artists that I've subsequently either revisited and forgiven or um, revisited just because I didn't they, they didn't come up sufficiently on my radar in that in, in that year. So, for example, so so some of that's connected to Britpop. I was a bit I, I, I jaded by the whole Britpop thing. The one Britpop album, and I don't think it's from that year, it's probably from a couple of years before uh, I, I thought. I actually thought when Park Life by Blur came out, that was a, that was a, a band at the peak of its powers. And I wasn't really bothered about Blur before that or after that, but I thought they were at the peak of their powers with that album. But not, oddly enough, because it was because it reminded me more of uh, the jam and the 1979-ish mod revival than the stuff that was more seen as Britpop around like the pulp and the oasis stuff like that and with yep. oasis I, I just felt it just seemed tired to me because bear in mind I was feeling a bit snooty about it all having been pretty in the thick of the early emergence of Happy Mondays and James and stuff and I felt like I'd been and Stone Roses and I felt like I'd been round the block with all that uh, the first time with Baggy and you know the Inspiral Carpets and stuff like that and I loved all that stuff but that was for me, that was 10 years previous almost, or certainly seven or eight years previous. And yep. then Oasis Pit. And I thought, it's just a bit boring, really. And I still think that I'm not bothered about them. Um, so there were lots. Of, but, but what was to your point is, uh, what did I miss? I paid no attention to Suede at the time, really. Uh, okay. But in retrospect, they've done some yep. really, really interesting and, and, and good stuff. Um I think who else? I'm just uh, looking to to give myself some prompts because I just spotted um, somebody. Oh, um, I absolutely adore and have spent a lot of time with uh, subsequently Aphex Twin. But he brought out the Richard D. James album that year, and yeah. and I didn't spend a lot of time did, with. Did it. that come out in '96? Aphex Twin. Aphex Twin Richard D. James album did, and oh. then. They're not on this list, but around that time, I was, I think I was listening to uh, Boards of Canada and, and, and stuff yep. like stuff yep. like that. Um, but I'm just looking down the list here. Is there anything I regret? No, there's a load of stuff that I was not interested in then and I'm still not really interested in now, um, to be honest. Uh, and that's fine. I, I, I think I made some reasonable, uh, reasonable decisions. I like the Folk Implosion at the time. They were good. There were some bands that I weren't bothered about then and I'm not bothered about now, like the Blue Tones. Super Furry Animals, never got them, never will, just don't get it. Um, 
you know, there's Supergrass didn't like him then, don't like him now, don't get it. Um, you know, there's some bands that are just no good, really. Um, right, right. Yeah. So, so you know, and that, and that, and you always, <laughs> you always get that. But we, you know, we should get on to our five, shouldn't we? Yes, absolutely. Um, would you like to go first? I'll go. Uh, they're not in any. Uh, mine are in no particular order. Um, are we going to reveal our five or do one at a time? Uh, should do, we reveal the five? One at a time. All right. Yep. So one of the ones, and it was a great gig that I went to that year, and the album's fantastic. Uh, the Divine Comedy, uh, something for the weekend. It was a big hit, um, and the Divine Comedy brought out an album, Casanova, which is full of hits and very classically stylistic. And uh, it's, I think, their third album, actually, possibly the fourth, third, I think. Um, and having they were one of the bands that I would, were very much championed by the radio that I, listened, I did listen to at the time, Mark Radcliffe and Mark Riley. They were often in for sessions and things like that. And, um, and they struck this lovely, quirky balance of slightly posh uh, lyrics and very clever, smart, knowing lyrics look beautiful arrangements and fantastic production and funny too and um i remember going to see them at camden town hall at some point during that year while i was down working with london i did a gig in which i often do and it was an amazing show and it was just captured the times for me so uh, so that was my favorite single and i still if i'm in the kitchen cooking or something like that i'll get alexa to play it because it's still one of those records that i still absolutely adore the whole album actually but that that song in particular play a lot so that that's a fantastic and and i remember this but i've got to i look forward to listening to your playlist by the way um so in no particular order uh so 1979 came out smashing pumpkins they released this double album and again, so just to give some context, this was a song that was really important to me at the time because 1979, the year itself, was really important to me. I'm assuming that it's about that year. But, um, and so I love that song. And I had always, I liked the, the Pumpkins' first album a lot. I, but it has no resonance for me now. And, no. But at the time, I probably listened to that song a thousand times that year i played it was one of those tapes where i played the you know the the tape so it started wearing out right it never broke <laughs> right yeah but yeah. you know i mean there are definitely times when i was cranking that tape with a pencil because it, it went you know it, it got caught up in the in the tape player but you know, i didn't get a chance to see them that year i did see them i think like two years later but that album and, you know, and I remember buying the two cassette album uh, or two cassette uh, uh, compilation. And, you know, just like th this was one of the few albums that I bought that year. And it really is. It's a good album. but It's not a great album. But yeah. at the time, like I say, I've got to honor and respect who I was at the time. I listened to that all the time. So that's definitely on the list. Cool. Yeah. No, good one. Good, good call. My uh, next one's an American one, Bob Mould. I uh, mentioned him a couple of times already. Yep. And I would say he's one of the most consistent person that I've been seeing over the over the years and always following him, despite the fact that, um, you know, he's had ups and downs in terms of recorded output and, and, and this. That. It's always been interesting in, in, enough to engage me. And um, this was from his hook album that 
was just called Bob Mole, but it's actually called Hubcap normally because uh, it was like a solo album post Sugar and post the relationship breakup on his side. So it's pretty downbeat and he played everything and recorded it himself. So there's a song called Roll Over and Die, which is pretty 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 moody and that was on my moody sad everything's depressing tape that i used to listen to in the car and um but i loved it and that was you know it just it just it just spoke to me a lot and uh, i think that's probably one of my favorite albums of his which is probably not many people's favorite albums of his but uh, yeah it's it's a great record and a good album all told so yeah bob mold's on my list and you know one of the things i was going to say about um ways I found music at the time, right? Pre-internet finding music was following certain labels and SST. And I think Bob, Bob Mould stayed on SST, right? He was on SST for a while, but then uh, where else did he go? Uh, certainly his solo stuff went all over the place. He was on Creation, actually, in the UK, uh, for sure. Right? Okay. And, and, uh, and he did some stuff on Virgin America and bits and bats. But for who's could do, I think, SST, yeah. Yep. And and so, um, you know, certain labels like, you know, 4AD Factory, I would follow those. Those would be labels I would, you know, I would buy music based on the label. Right. Which is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so my next one is uh, Queer by Garbage. And uh, so I always liked Butch Vig. I always liked sort yeah. of the Athens sound and Garbage. So I did get a chance to see them. Of course, you know, I had a huge crush on Shirley Manson and loved their whole sound, their approach to music. That album was just a really, you know, it was like the resurgence of, even though they were, weren't in Athens, to me, it was like the resurgence of the Athens sound and, you know, Pylon and yeah. all the other great bands that came out of Athens. So I loved Garbage and there are many songs on that album, but Queer is one of my, uh, my favorite yep. songs from that album. Yeah, and so production. You know, that one yeah, stands the test of time. I, yeah, I think it, I think so. And the production was crisp as anything on that record. And, and yeah. that's put big for you, isn't it? Absolutely. So, so yeah, good. Um, next one was Tori Amos' Professional Widow, the Armin Van Helden remix of that. Um, that was one of the ones that we used to dance to and was always on the radio as well as being out on, on in the clubs. And it was super poppy and a real hit. It wasn't obscure in any way. But it was an interesting turn for her to take and uh, and just just a great, great danceable record. Nothing else about to, to say about it. It was just such a good tune and, and you know, still fun to listen to now, actually. So so she made a big hit here. I forgot that that came out in 96, but I've definitely loved that. Um, Radiohead. We didn't mention Radiohead and there might have been a reason, but Radiohead hit big. This song was, I think, released the year before, but I found it high and dry off yeah. of the album, The Benz. And yeah. so as an old sort of prog rock listener, Radiohead continues, right? So these, yeah. this, this now gets into a band that I love to listen to these days. And so High and Dry, it's not the best song off that, off that album by any stretch, yeah. but it's yeah. the one that sticks with me from, from The Benz. And I just love that album. Again, yeah. another purchase, right? Yeah, definitely. They were pivotal that year as well. And they weren't massive on my list, but I remember listening a lot. It was on a compilation that we used to listen to back and forth to Liverpool. Fake Plastic Trees was a song that uh, resonated with me yep. around that time. Yep. That, yeah, it's good, good, good. Um, then 
Another one on that same compilation that I used to listen to in the car was Ash. Oh, yeah. Very bright, buzzy, indie, summery, Northern Irish band Ash. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah, it was just captured the zeitgeist uh, for me and just brings back instant memories of Liverpool and traveling back and forth across the M62 to see uh, Lisa. And um, yeah, it was great. I, lo- I love these mixtapes that you made for yourself. So in the US, we, we tend to make mixtapes for our romantic partner. Um, okay. I did listen to them, but I never felt inspired to make them for myself. So I'd make them for somebody else and then I'd love them. And I, who knows yeah. whether or not they did. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so you had mentioned uh, everything but the girl. So missing yeah. and then the remixes that came out, right? Those yeah. were really something. And so I, I just that the whole sound that they had um, and then that particular song. And I, these last two are songs that I would hear in the clubs or bands that I would hear in the clubs that I was able to remember and be and able to go and actually, you know, track them down. The missing was just great. And all the remixes of it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, no, that's, that, that's very relevant. And I think it was probably that year that I saw Tracy with she brought out some stuff with Massive Attack. She was on the Massive Attack record yes. around that time. Yep. And I remember seeing it at the Hammersmith oh Hammersmith God. Hammersmith Odeon with uh, with Massive Attack and yeah, very much um on on point at that time. Okay, so my last one is a Scottish band and they were massively influenced by Pavement, who I love, but I didn't pick Pavement, I picked Urusai Yatsura. And I couldn't get their stuff for years and I've still got them on CDs somewhere, but they're now on the streaming services and they've got a song on their first album called Cupies Like Watermelon, which is just crazy, just fast and fun and just Pavement-ish, very influenced by American indie, but a Scottish band, and um, yeah, I like them, so they'll they'll be on my uh, on my playlist. I, I like this very much because you know these are songs and bands I'm aware of, but mm. were not did did not strike to the heart of me at the time, with the exception mm. of you know a couple where you know Bob Mould stands the test of time and mm. the other one that does is this underworld album we mentioned it earlier but yep. second yeah. biggest in the infants i always thought it was yep. second biggest of the infants but yeah. um so juanita kite list this very very long song and that was i have to say that whole album was like a a, a real inflection point for me so almost all the music that i listened to for five years after this was that sort of trance electronica sound yep. and so i got that at the end of the year and just you know that i still listen to and it was great actually in terms of getting ready for discussing this to listen to the whole album again just be like oh my god set go back to it. yeah well this is great let's let's combine our top fives into a top 10 list and append it to the um to the end of this conversation on the on on the podcast we probably need to go because our lives now intervene and we need to go back to the real world don't we but um but i i think i think this has been really fun yeah totally totally (laughs) And, and and i look forward to finding another year with you tim thank you yeah Let's decide. Let's decide what that year is going to be soon, and, uh, and and come back and do this. But this this I think works, and it's good fun. So uh, yeah. yeah, we'll share this. And uh, thanks so much for your time. And, and, and actually, ninety six is a tough year to start with. Yeah. So yeah. ninety six. If if we can do ninety six, we can do anything. Yeah, absolutely, man. Have a good day. You take care. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye.